Welcome back to the Down in the Dirt podcast where we are getting dirty talking baseball and I am your host Carson Lee. Thank you guys for joining me again on episode number 11 of the podcast. So I know I promised you guys a hitting podcast for the next two episodes of the show but unfortunately I had a bit of technical difficulty and whenever I saved the podcast after I was done editing it This is right before I add the music and upload it to SoundCloud. Somehow the file got corrupted and was messed up. So I tried calling Apple to get Apple support. Um, Actually, shout out to my guy Denny over at Creative Media with Apple. Um, Me and him talked on the phone for a good hour and a half. um, And he did everything he could to try and help me retrieve the file. And unfortunately, I was not able to retrieve the file. Uh, was not able to get get it back to its normal state. So as of now, I do not have access to the hitting podcast. But I am going to try and get the file retrieved through a third-party service. That way I can get the podcast up for you guys because it is an episode that is full of lots of information from guys with a lot of knowledge in this game that I played with this year. And uh, it's an episode I really want you guys to hear, so I'm working on get it re- getting it retrieved. I really am angry that that the file got messed up and I was not able to upload it. Um, but like I said, I want to give a shout out to my guy Denny over at Apple with Creative Media, um, if he's listening, uh, because he was a lot of help. Um, he did everything he could to be able to get the file fixed, um, that way I could get it uploaded. Uh, this is actually kind of, you know, a little reflection moment in life. Um, sometimes, you know, when you really got to step back and just kind of look at how cool things happen. Because whenever this happened and I woke up and figured out that the file was, was messed up, I was really, really pissed off. Um, just because of how passionate I was about this, this file. Uh, or about this episode, I mean, not this file, but this episode and you guys having the chance to hear it. Um, so I was pretty angry. Uh, and then, you know, I started talking to Denny and after he did everything he could to get it, get it working and wasn't able to, uh, me and him kind of went off track and we just started talking and, uh, we ended up talking for a solid hour. Um, it's, it's just really cool how in life, the, the way you get to connect with people, uh, people from all over the world, Denny specifically, he's from Ireland. Uh, so, you know, we were talking about baseball, baseball over in Ireland, baseball in America. You know, I was telling him how I played baseball. He was talking to me about him playing baseball growing up. His dad played playing baseball. Um, then we got to talking about Conor McGregor in the UFC, uh, sharing just lots of stories, just going back and forth banter. Um, so it's just one of those things, you know, I really had to take a step back. And even with as mad as I was that I lost the file, it was it was pretty cool to connect with somebody and meet somebody, um, you know, just that was passionate about life and, and a lot of things. And we had a pretty cool conversation there. Um, and then he even said he was going to su- subscribe and support the podcast. So, you know, it's the little things like that that just really make life so incredible. The fact that you can connect with people that way. And uh, so even when uh, Conor McGregor has his next fight, me and Denny are going to grab a Guinness. And uh, take the fight in from a Irish bar somewhere. Have a little bit of fun. Um, so instead of getting a hitting episode for the next two weeks, while I'm working on getting the file retrieved, the first two guests of the show, Peter Jorgen and Justin Cortesis, they said that they would fill in on the show. So this is a impromptu podcast to catch up and talk about how their seasons went and share some insight on how to survive a season physically and mentally, how to survive the ups and downs, what continues to fuel their fire, and even what the experience is like playing in another country. So I just want to give a huge shout out to those two guys because they are filling in on short notice and I just I appreciate them so much uh, for taking their time to come back on the show um, even though it wasn't really planned out. Be sure to tune back in again for next week's episode which will be part two of this episode with Pete Jorgen and Justin Cortesis as we continue to talk about the ups and downs of a professional baseball season, the habits you adapt to continue having success, and then finish off talking about the experience of playing in another country. As always though, I appreciate you guys for listening and tuning in to the show. 
While you are here, it would be greatly appreciated if you could rate and review the show on whatever listening platform you are on. This helps the show grow and also attract sponsors. If you leave me a comment with who you think is going to win the World Series this year, along with your review of the podcast under it, I will pick one lucky winner and send them something from me. Be sure to also tag me on social media whenever you are listening to the episode and share the podcast with your friends if you can. This will allow the podcast to continue to grow and will allow more and more kids access to the knowledge and information I'm trying to provide to help make the game better. Make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast and have the notifications on so that you will know when a new episode drops. I am also in the process of trying to get the podcast on Spotify as well, which will give you guys one more listening platform to hear it on. And if you aren't following me on Instagram, be sure to follow me at, at CarsonLee5 so that you can get updates on the show and always feel free to send in a question to be answered on a future episode. But before we get started with this episode, I want to tell you guys about my friends over at Jigsaw Massage. Do you like massages? Have you tried percussion therapy? At JigsawMassage.com, we have the most powerful percussion therapy device on the market with a lifetime warranty and free shipping in the United States. Get ready for real results in pain management with deep tissue massage, recover faster, feel better, get pain relief. Shop now at jigsawmassage.com and be sure to use my discount code Carson Lee capitalize in all one word when purchasing to get yourself a discount once again the discount code is Carson Lee at jigsawmassage.com be sure to check them out and I will have a link in the description box below now on to this week's episode Catching up with Pete Jorgen and Justin Cortesis on how to survive through a professional baseball season. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to podcast! Fighting out of the blue corner, out of Houston, Texas. He has more followers than I do have career, career hits. Carson Lee! Fighting out of the red corner, a uh, currently living in... Cortez, where are you living right now? Uh, currently habitating uh, Victoriaville, Quebec. Currently in Victoriaville, Quebec, Canada. He's got longer beard than anybody I've seen. Puts Grizzly Adams to shame. Justin Cortez's. Hey. Ah, Mr. Cortez's. I'm here. All right, you guys, so we are going to do a end-of-the-season podcast with Pete Jorgen and Justin Cortesis. Um, with Pete, me and him were in uh, Florence together to start the season, and then unfortunately we both got released, so he went to go play for the Roswell Invaders while I went to go play for the Garden City Wind, and then Mr. Cortesis, um, yeah, you've kind of been all over the place, uh, so oh, yeah. you're going to have to fill, fill me in here, but... Uh, he started the season with the Sussex County Miners and got released out of spring training, and then you went to uh, Quebec, right? Right, but I was went- in Michigan when I got the call from Quebec because I was heading to California to go play in the Pacific Association. That's right. That's right. And uh, I was staying with Artoom, and uh, I get, it was the day before my birthday because me and you were talking about it. I was like, I'm going to get a call from... I was like, it would be cool to get a call from a Can-Am team on my birthday, and then I ended up driving 18 hours on my birthday from uh, Michigan, right below Grand Rapids, all the way to Quebec City. Yeah, so you ended up going to Quebec. Uh, You were there for, what, two or three weeks, right? I was there for just over two weeks, and then I got released, and the manager hooked me up with this team that I'm on now. (laughs) <laughs> which is a semi-amateur league uh, right here in Victoriaville, and it's a pretty re- respected league here in Canada. They take care of me, and this is where I've been. But then I actually got recalled back up to Quebec for a weekend against Ottawa, and then whenever they got done with the weekend, 
they just didn't need me anymore, I guess. So I got released and went back to Victoriaville. <laughs> so so that's where uh, Peter and – I don't know why I keep calling you Peter. Pete and Peter. Uh, Cortez's are right now or where they were this season. Uh, so if you guys don't know who these guys are, go ahead and listen back to the – to the beginning beginning of the podcast when the podcast first started uh pete was episode one mr cortez was episode two uh, so yeah so we're still sit here we're going to talk about the end of the season or the, the whole season kind of stuff we go through and uh how to get to the grind of professional season so oh, yeah. let's get going boys especially justin I, your story <coughs> give guys I'm a little still, bit like, of well in- i'm still in season tonight's our last game technically so yeah and then uh I still got like three weeks left. Well, I want to. I want to use. Yeah. I want to use the Canada thing as a uh, to kind of give guys insight that they uh, just that there's options to play. Oh my god! Yeah. Even Everywhere. if even if they're not yeah even if they're in the, not in the United States, just you know going out of the country, going overseas, that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, so let's get going, boys. So how was how was everybody's season? I know it's long. Yeah. It, your body feels like crap afterwards. Pete, I know you guys just got done. Y'all just uh, finished up playoffs. This uh, don't bring it so- up. <laughs> One series away. Nah, well, that was back, good though. Back to back years. Hey, I'll just say don't get don't get stingy here. You did have a, a pretty decent year last year, so yeah, one in the ring last year was worth it. It would have been nice to. It really would have been cool to get a ring with the Roswell Invader logo on it, but yeah, yeah. I think that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, so yeah, it would have looked sick, but oh well. I mean, we did, we did, uh, we did have a good season. So I mean, even though we came up short, I mean, it was still a really good season for everybody. So, Yorgi, what was it like living in Roswell? Because I know I lived in Garden my first year of pro ball. I lived in Garden where Carson lived at, and then we all three of us lived in California last year. So when I played in Roswell two years ago, I remember it was, it was like I don't know, I'm weird. It's a weird place, so I loved it. But I was like, I could not imagine living there just because it was just like hot. There's flies everywhere. Yeah, yeah. that's about it. Yeah, that's about yeah. all I had. Yeah, in no. So like, so I thought the same thing. I was like, this place is actually like kind of cool. Like it's it's a super small town. Yeah. For like how recognized it really is, but. Um, I mean, the people made it better than what it, what I thought it was going to be. So it was cool. Um, other than that, I mean, last year when we were in, out in California, we didn't see one rain out at all. And I think uh, our team had like five. Dude, we didn't see any there. rain for an entire, we saw rain one day. <laughs> yeah. That's what, it was so nice, uh, being on the Pacific side or mountain side this year because yeah, I think we had like four rainouts. And they were all, like, crucial times, too. Like, it was like the rain gods knew that we needed a rain down. Because we have a rain down on days that I was, like, just my body was dead. I remember one day we were in Trinidad, and we were leaving the gas station. We were driving back to the field, and I told Cutter, I said, hey, go do a rain dance real quick so it rains. Like, it was overcast. He gets out of the car in the middle of the street and just starts doing a rain dance. And literally, like, 45 minutes later, just starts pouring games canceled we go back to garden it was we had a whole day off it was so nice <laughs> see that's you know, the difference between your guys' schedule and my schedule though where i'm at because i've got normally i don't play except for on fridays and like the weekends mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i have all week to recover which has been a different thing for me this year but i've still had like little tiny and tedious injuries that just from playing all year like I've been going full go probably the same as you guys since, what, February to be ready yeah, for the yeah. season? Yeah, from, from basically from Florida to, to now. To now. So even with a little bit lax schedule, I'm still like, ugh. <laughs> Tired. Okay, so I, I want to give you guys both, uh, both a chance to do this. I know I introduced you guys uh, once again, but I kind of want you guys to tell uh, kind of the journey from this year. Um, you know, starting where we started, getting released, and then kind of using that, uh, like we talked about, as a fire to fuel you uh, to go find somewhere else to play, put up good numbers, have a good season so that you can get somewhere the next year. Um, so if you guys don't mind kind of kind of sharing 
that mentality and kind of the emotional struggle that you go through. Um, whoever wants to go first, it doesn't matter. Jorge, go ahead. All right. So I was invited to spring training with Florence Freedom uh, since last year. Uh, ended up going down to Florida with you guys um, and playing down there before everybody had to report for their uh, to their respective teams. So went down there for like a month, whatever, came back up, reported to Florence <clears throat> with Carson. And then uh, I got released. I believe I got released like a few days before spring training ended. I'm not really yeah. sure like the date or whatever. I know I got released yeah, before you did. Yeah, because I, I, was, I was the last day and you were the day before me. So you were a day or two before spring training ended. So Yeah. Yeah, so got released. Um, basically, in the meeting, I got told, you know, uh, it wasn't the right fit at the time that I just needed to go. I needed to keep playing, go put put up numbers and see where it leads. So um, fortunately for me, from my manager last year, he ended up uh, hooking me up with uh, uh, the manager in Roswell and was put on the team there and just went and tried doing my best, just play hard as I could and actually did a, have a pretty good season. So, and, you know, just kind of used uh, my uh, release as motivation to do better. I mean, it was it was a little upsetting for me just because that was my first time being released. So, I mean, having to go through that. But at the end of the day, like understanding that, you know, it really isn't just a game anymore. Like it is a business. So it made me understand that whole perspective as well. Pete, I want to my, my question. Sorry, Carson. Didn't mean no, you're up. good. You're good. I'll, discussion. No, my, my question was, did you pre talk to somebody? Because this is always a question I get from people that you know, oh, I got released or I don't know what I'm going to do if this team doesn't get a hold of me or if I go to this place and it doesn't work out. Did you pre-talk to somebody before you got released from Florence or did you just happen to know contacts in Roswell and contact them that way? Uh, so basically, it's like right after I got released, I think it was it was either that night or the next morning, I ended up texting uh, Cloppy, who was my manager last year. Just right. saying, like, you know, hey, I just got released. You know, is there any way you can help me find another place to go right now? Because, obviously, I had no idea what I was going to do. So, right. And he ended up giving me Relly's number, and we got in contact and made it work out that way. So Nice. Okay, so you were you were released, and then you got all to Kalapi yeah. and kind of figured it out from there. Yeah. See, and that just – and that well, I kind of wanted, like – that's kind of what the same thing that happened to me when I got done with Sussex. Like I, I had to make a couple of phone calls, but that's what I tell guys. And they're like, well, it can't be that simple. But me and you were, and Carson are both proof or all three of us are proof that even if you do get released from a different club at a higher level or, or something like that, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to try to find a place if you know the right people. Right. And, like yeah. it's, you just can't be afraid to make a phone call. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is, is, you can't be afraid to talk to people and you got to know that you are your your own representation at this point because we don't have agents um, you know we don't we're not making those big bucks where we can do all those those kind of things that big leaguers have the the uh, luxury of doing so for us we have to put in all the extra stuff to to vouch for ourselves to get us to you know next the next place down the road and try to further our career uh, you know, if you do get released, because that's the unfortunate part of this business is you may get released. Um, and sometimes it may even be undeserved, you know, just because of the politics and just how the game works, uh, just depending on the situation. What's your first reaction was? We'll just stick with that. Keep it sh simple. My first reaction, shoot, my heart sank because I saw the note in my locker that I needed to go see Pelf. So I like I knew right away. I was like, this can't be good. And then, um, you know, afterwards, um, you know, I I really didn't know what to think because like it like everything just kind of hit like a freight train at, all at one moment. Like I really didn't know what was like it didn't feel real, basically. You know, and then um, because like I, at that point I was just trying to figure out like, okay, well everybody's roster is basically set already. Like, you know 
who's going to need a guy this late or, you know, where, where's the next possibility of me playing at, at this point. So I think that was kind of the main thing that was going through my mind at that moment. All right, Justin, your turn. Let's hear, uh, go ahead and hear your story to begin the season. Start of the season or we going from like. Just the same, same, uh, same song and dance from last time. Okay, same, well, same we did, we did my interview in what, in Florida? Yeah, we yeah. did both our interviews in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. So, left Florida, traveled around with the Black Sox for a month, and as a starter, I was doing, I was starting for that team, so I would pitch three innings against a bunch of different teams. I pitched against uh, Lancaster Barnstormers, uh, I pitched against Florence, I pitched against, uh, up in Joliet, we did the Frontier Draft. So I got a lot of exposure the first month of the season here before we got, or the first like month before season. So I bounced around all around the country. Um, I actually acquired a spring training invite with Sussex County after going to a Can-Am tryout down in Sanford. Uh, I pitched really well there. I was throwing really hard, uh, showcased myself very well that day, and opened a lot of eyes in the Can-Am. So I went to Sussex. I got cut the first, uh, I was there just over a week and they did first cuts i got cut and like i said i was going out to california because that was my plan i had a pre-plan determined and uh, i'd already been in contact with people uh just in case because you got to be realistic like like you guys have said this is a business so uh i was talking to the guys in the locker room and a lot of a lot of the guys in the locker room were ex-affiliated guys with you know double a triple a time some of them so i was realistic with myself i was like okay if i kind of slip here a little bit and i don't have the greatest outing i'm you know, there's a good chance I'll get snipped for somebody who's just a little bit higher up on the food chain than me. So that came, it happened, and I was heading out to California. And the day before my birthday, I got a call from uh, uh, from Quebec. They were like, "Hey, can you be here uh, in two days?" And I was in Michigan. I just drove, God, I think 14 hours to get to Michigan, sleep for a night, and then I had to turn around and drive 18 hours the next day to go to Quebec which would have been only like seven hours from my original spot the day before. So it's just, but it was uh, that opportunity. And this is the crazy thing about independent ball because it is very cutthroat. That opportunity was only available because I was there, like because I was in the area. And if I didn't take and turn around and go there, I probably wouldn't have got that opportunity. So I made the most of my opportunity while I was there. I had one crummy outing, which, you know, in the end, got me snipped. But from my outings before that, I got a call back uh, to Quebec after I was released from them because I went from there. I drove uh, and I was with Quebec for two weeks, got released. And then I ended up in where I'm at now in Victoriaville. And by staying here, Quebec needed a pitcher one weekend because something happened with passports and there's all kinds of stuff where guys can't get into Canada or get into the States or something like that. Yeah. They did. They did let you in the country, so they let me in for some reason. But I apparently went through like the smallest checkpoint, like in <laughs> Canada. <laughs> it was incredible. They didn't question. It. They're like, "Oh, you want to come in? Come on in." <laughs> so I know I went on a ramble there for a minute, but yeah, I was with Quebec for two weeks. I got released. I came to Victoriaville, but uh, and then I got to pitch for it. Quebec again for a weekend against Ottawa, which was really fun. But then I ended up coming back to Victoriaville. They released me. And it's this is kind of where I've been playing the season still. Tonight's our last game for the regular season. And then uh, I'll go to New Brunswick in a week and play in their All-Star Series. So, Okay, so yeah. can, you, can you talk to us about the league you're playing in now? Because that's kind of something for me – I didn't even know. I didn't even know anything about that. It's kind of a well. It's literally a foreign league to me, um, figuratively and literally. But um, so, can you kind of explain what that is and how that's helped you? Because, like you know, me and you've talked about staying there and playing for that team has allowed you that opportunity to go back to Quebec one more time. But then it's allowed you to stay in contact with those coaches in the area for future opportunities down the line right. next year. Right, and it's kind of gets it kind of keeps me close enough to keep their eyes on me and to keep people's eyes that they trust on me as well because I'm you know there's locals that play in this league. The league that I'm playing in is the Major League Bay Major League Baseball League of Quebec, 
and it's a semi-amateur league. It's uh, it's a little bit older class of guys who play in here, but the competitiveness of the game is still there. It's not, and no offense to some men's leagues out there, because I know there's a lot of competitive men league out there, men's leagues out there, but it's it's kind of equivalent to that. But I think it's a little bit higher caliber. And we get guys who played in the Can-Am in this league. Uh, the shortstop who's on my team, <clears throat> he's currently going to play with the New Jersey this weekend. But he also had uh, – he was up to AAA with the Mets at one point in his career. So, you know, it's not a lack of competition in this league. It's just Canada, where we're at in Quebec, they only have such a short amount of summer. The league's only exposed for three to four months out of the year. So it's not relatively known – elsewhere in the country or outside the country just because it's so small and quebec is kind of like baseball wise they're kind of like 20 years behind like where we are just because we get to play it so much we get it's where our country is so engulfed into it like it's it's just completely i don't know it's competitive but it's different and uh i don't know it's just a small league but me staying here has kept me within the grasp of all the Canadian teams in the Can-Am and also just all the teams that are on the East coast of the country. So I don't know, man, this, what else do you want to know about the league? Well, how's the travel? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, you're good. Sorry. I got, I went like here and then I went like over there and then I went down there. Oh, we, we know, we know with you, we're going to be pulled in 10 different directions. So we're prepared for it. There's just so much, there's just so much I have to talk about because where I'm at, <laughs> This is what everybody doesn't know. Where I'm at is a dead smack in the middle of French country. And uh, I mean, you have like, you have plenty of experiences to talk about here. Uh, well, yeah, but I don't have anybody to talk to him about because no <laughs> one speaks English here. <laughs> That's what so we're here for. Past, <laughs> over the past two months. I've had to remain relatively silent because no one number no, number one knows what I'm saying. And number two, they can't say anything back. <laughs> <laughs> so I apologize to all who are listening and is like, oh my god, this guy is scrambled over there. I have just been really penned up and haven't had anybody to talk to everybody, so I apologize. That has been the major difference in this league because a lot of my team, because in the leagues that you guys play in, you can hang out with your teammates. Relatively, everybody lives nearby and, you know, you have people to socialize with and go hang out with. Even when you don't have nothing to do, you have people to hang out with. I have a cat here at the house that I hang out with. (laughs) And I talk French to him. I don't even talk English to him. That's where you get your practice in that. That's been a new struggle this year is trying to find people to talk to. Well, no, but like like Pete said, uh, you know, what's what's the travel like for you guys? Uh, what's your your play playing schedule like? Um, and then what what you're doing to to pass the free time? Because I know you 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 know you have a lot of free gotta, time. Our listeners don't know about your schedule, so, so the schedule uh, runs. Uh, the schedule usually runs Fridays and the weekends is when we play because. Everybody who usually plays in this league has a full-time job, or at least a part-time job. So during the week, they're busy. Um, Our games are at 8 o'clock at night. They're only seven innings long, so we only play three to four games a week. So it's not relatively hard to stay, you know, in good shape, or it's not that I have a lack of time to stay in shape and stuff like that. So that was the schedule. What was the other part, Pete? Schedule? The travel. 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 Uh... All the teams are relatively close. I mean, where I'm at, I'm kind of in the middle of our whole little circuit. So there's no team that's beyond like two and a half hours out. So I'll go to Montreal is like the farthest west I'll go. And then I'll get close to the Vermont border with another team. And so travel is really not that bad. I travel with it is self-travel yourself there. Uh, but like I said, we're, they're not really that far away. And the fields are kind of nice. They're a lot better than the fields that <laughs> we were playing on out in California. <laughs> they are a little bit smaller here, though. So, like, so dead, Pete, center's like dead center's like 350 on some fields. So, Pete, uh, 
talking about travel, I actually do want to get on that topic with you because, in my opinion, uh, you know, now for both of us, we've been on the California side of the Pecos and we've been in the Mountain Division side of the Pecos. Uh, for those who don't know what the Pecos is, um, it's still independent professional baseball. Um, the only difference is, is that in the league, you have to now, I'm not going to say drive yourself because that's not a requirement, but you have to find your own way to get yourself from game to game. Um, there are some teams that have vans, so they do have team vans. You know, I know in the past when the league was first for first kind of up and coming, uh, but it was just the mountainside. They actually had the train. Though actually, it's the one that runs behind Trinidad, Trinidad's field. Oh, they uh, use that one. Yeah, that train was actually the means of transportation for the whole league because all the all the uh, the teams are in the train station stops, stop points. Um, well, that's cool. But they they well they stopped doing that because too many guys were missing missing the train. train. So yeah, they're like, well, we're not paying for this. Um, it's a waste of money. So that's where the whole you know van um, and transportation situation kind of came from. So like I said, uh, it's not a requirement that you drive yourself, but you have to get yourself from point A to point B. Yes, it sucks, but. Uh, you know, that's the grind of, of independent baseball, baseball in general. Um, just like the fact that, you know, we were down in Florida for a month before the season even started just to keep playing and get on get on more people's radars. So kind of the little things that we have to go through that people don't really understand. Uh, so in saying that, I want to get your opinion on the mountain side versus the California side. Because for me personally, I didn't realize how much easier the mountain side was, especially mm-hmm. last year being in Cal City where for us, we had to go an hour either to Bakersfield or an hour to High Desert. That was easy. And then yeah. one trip one trip to Monterey. Whereas this year, our closest uh, trip was Trinidad. Trinidad. It was four hours. Yeah. Um, going everywhere else. I know going to Roswell was seven. Going to Santa Fe was six. And going to Alpine was ten. So, you know, it's uh, it was brutal. A lot of miles. Um so I kind of I just want to get your opinion on that because I thought I didn't realize how easy the California side was until this year. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like when we were in California, like for us being in Bakersfield, you know, we made the hour drive to you guys and then two hours to High Desert, and we would drive back later that night. So like, I mean, driving back and forth was kind of taxing on you, but in the long run, like it was much better because you got to sleep in your own bed every single night. Um, this year. Well, you say the Mountain Division. Well, I got to experience both sides because we were the first team to ever play everybody in one season. That is true. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, so we played We played in our division, and then we ended up making the trip out to California and playing everybody out there. So um, I think the shortest trip we made was the White Sands, which was about two hours. And then the farthest trip was you guys for us. I think that was about, I think it was eight hours, seven, eight hours. Did you guys like get that. any help, like, with travel? Did Roswell's uh, team help with that any, or no? No. Uh, the only time we got help was when we went to California. I think they gave whoever was driving, they gave them X amount of gas money just to help with that trip. But I think because uh, when we went out there, we stopped in Tucson first because it was, on, like, kind of a stopping point on the way. And then we made the way up to High Desert and then – ran our way all the way up to Monterey and then came back. So that was a fun trip, but it was, that was long. I think it was, it was more than a week. (laughs) Yeah, y'all were out there. Y'all were out there for a long time. Cause that was, y'all went right after we played jaw at Roswell. That's when y'all were leaving. Yeah. So it was, it was the day after the all-star game. So it was kind of messed up for some of our guys that made the all-star game because that was in Trinidad. And then, like, the very next day, they had to make their way to Tucson, which was, like, another seven or eight hours away. Yeah, I think y'all I think y'all only had, like, one guy go to the All-Star game, and he was the one. Yeah, they really gave us the option, or gave the guys the option, gave us the option. I didn't even make it, but he gave the guys that made it an option whether they wanted to go play or not. And I think there was, a, there was like, maybe a few guys that went up but were only there for, like, an inning or two and then said see ya and made their way out to Arizona. Jeez. Yeah, that game was a that game was a waste of time anyway. I think it was I think it was like thirty to ten or something like that. Oh, it was it was so it was so long. Wow. 
In yeah. Bakersfield? No, in Trinidad. Brutal. And you didn't even play the whole game, so I think I only played like three innings, so that I had to watch the whole rest of the time. It just dragged on and on and on. Was there much uh, of a home run derby this year compared to yeah, there last actually year? was. But yeah, I mean, there was there was it was a legit home run derby. I yeah, uh, put me I, back in the home run derby. Oh heck, last yeah, year. Since, since you are a hitter again, I did win the spring home run derby. Don't forget that. People don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Off the fungo, man. Oh, my God. Oh my God. Was it like his I think that so. Was, I don't remember. I don't even think I went that day. Um, wow. I uh, lost my train of thought here. All right, Carson. It's my turn. It's mine and Pete's time to interrogate you. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so you asked Yorgi about his first initial reaction. I've been sitting on this one. This is why I couldn't think <laughs> you You've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. What was your first initial reaction whenever you got released from Florence? Uh, like emotion. Not. I'll go with the emotional aspect. Like, what did you feel? Because, well, because, you know, like, I, I know how I felt. I, Pete, you know how you felt. Like, it's, it's a, uh, like you said, it's a very like you're very alone at that point. Like you're mm-hmm. just kind of like. Yeah, you are. I think. I think for me, um, after we played in Evansville, I kind of had maybe an idea that it might happen uh right. just because you kind of just prepared I, yourself for it yeah just because uh that was evansville was towards the end of spring training there had already been three or four cuts cuts made because there are cut days you know so there's, yeah. there's specific days that cuts are made and most of the time there has to be a certain number of guys cut by x date yeah uh, so there had already been three or four cuts at that point evansville the evansville game was kind of towards the end of our spring training. We only had about a week left and I had survived that long. So going into Evansville, you know, I was pretty, pretty confident that, uh, you know, I ha- I'd have a chance of making the team. And I knew what my role was going to be if I did make it, uh, because that was something that me and Pelf communicated with. Um, kind of had a rough day at Evansville, Evansville. And I think from that moment on, I kind of was, it, it was in the back of my mind, not, not that I was expecting it, but it was in the back of my mind that, okay, right kind of uh you kind of you, you can't screw up again basically you've already yeah. had your one bad day you can't have any more bad bad days here on out um uh, and then you know fast forward to that last day of spring training um i played that that last day at uh we were at home and i played like the last like three innings of the game i went in to play first um so the fact that i went in and i was playing first i kind of flipped my confidence so i was like okay well maybe looking like maybe I'll have a shot, um, kind of going in as a utility guy, because this was the first time I'd played first all spring training. Right. Uh, so I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm going in as a utility guy to kind of see what my versatility would be like to see where I fit in. Um, and then that was the day, you know, go up to the locker, have a note in the locker room. And uh, I actually, I sat in the locker room. Uh, there was like three or four other guys that got released along with me, and I let all of them go first. I let everyone clear out. Uh, just to really try to collect my thoughts before I went and, and talked to Pelf. Um, so, you know, went and talked to Pelf, had the conversation, and I think you and my dad were the first two people I called. And, you know, for me, I think it was more just anger. Um, Which is normal. I mean, yeah. and I, and I yeah. think that's where guys, they're like, they're not afraid to be angry or like, you can be sad, you can be fucking angry about that. Or, sorry about no, that. you're fine. This is, a, this is, this is, this podcast is, it's becoming a PG thirteen podcast. Oh. As long as it's not X rated, I don't care. We're we're we gotta let ourselves be ourselves. We gotta be the man yeah, That's kind of that's the whole thing. You can X-rated. be emotional about it, and that's where I think guys get a little bit scared because like that's how I felt. I was kind of pissed, but I, I was kind of like sad. Like it sucks. It's a very hurtful feeling because you you know you committed a lot of your time and your effort and that's, to it, and that's and yeah. that's where that's where the anger stems from. It's knowing, it's being able to look in the mirror and say, I worked my ass off to get to this point. And then knowing at the same time that one bad day is what, what was the cause of everything. And that's, right. that's no one's fault. That's not on anybody. That's, that's up to you that you just didn't perform that day. And unfortunately, that's, that's sports, that's life. That's how all of that operates. Um, you know, I mean, who's to say even if I don't have a bad day at Evansville, I'm still not getting cut. 
you know, right. I, I don't, I don't know that that still might have been what happened regardless. Uh, but it was it, that's where the anger comes from. It's just, just that you had something right there um, in your grasp and you let it go. Um, so for me, that's where my anger was coming from. And uh, so you know, I, I packed my stuff up, left the host house the next morning, got back home. And at this point, I really, you know, like, same thing with Pete. The frontier was already starting because, like I said, that was the last day of spring training. Uh, American Association and the Atlantic League had already started, and the only person that was that hadn't yet to start was the Can Am, where you were with uh, Sussex. Right. And so you know, I had basically about a week um, between getting released and Pecos starting, and then getting released and the Can Am starting, and then the Pacific as well. They're all kind of in the same time frame. Uh, so for me, it was just getting back home. Um, truthfully, getting back in the gym because uh, that way I could just kind of zone out and really figure out what I wanted to do. Because that was the thing for me. I didn't know, you know, we talked about this. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Not necessarily that I was going to quit playing. Right. I just didn't know what the best opportunity was going to be for me going forward. If I should try to play independent in the States or if I should try to go overseas. Um Maybe take a little bit of time off and wait and see how the season starts playing out for some teams. Uh, you know, so I was really unsure. And, you know, our manager from last year, David Peterman, uh, he was calling and calling just to kind of check up on how things were going. And the uh, day before they started, I told him I was going to go. Um, so I went up to, that's when I ended up going up to Garden City and uh, ended up spending the year at. <laughs> oh, Peterman! So yeah, that's uh, it's kind of kind of my mindset and uh, okay. you know, kind of what happened. Follow question, follow question, following question for that as well. And Pete, this goes for you as well. Um, how long did you give yourself to be mad? There's a certain time limit. I feel like that's pretty healthy that you can kind of like <clears throat> not pity yourself, but kind of just give yourself a, a little bit of space from everything and just kind of reset. Uh, how long did it take for you to get your mindset back on track to going? Like, uh, was it a day? Was it a week? Did it take you two weeks? I mean, you want the honest answer? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm still <laughs> not over it. I'm still pissed. Um, You're still a little bitter about it? I've, I'm very bitter. Um, and I think that just comes with the territory of, of your competitiveness, you know, Um you want to move up, you want to be at the higher levels, and so it's just, you know, yeah, I'm so angry that that I'm not where I want to be, and, uh, you know, I probably carried that with me through a lot of the season, and there are probably some days that I, I don't think I ever showcased it, like, like um, you like, don't think it affected like, your play? Well, no, well, that's what I was getting at. I don't think, uh, not not that it affected my play, because I don't think it ever affected my play. But I don't. I think there were some days I let it get to me too much, where it affected my relationship with my teammates. Because okay. maybe I, maybe it was just one of those days where I, you wake up in a bad mood. Maybe your morning's going wrong, but then I'm already pissed off to begin with because you know I'm not where I want to be, and now that's affecting how I'm communicating with my teammates. Um, so, you know, there may have been a handful of days that were like that, and that's that's all me. That's my fault. Uh, but as far as the immediate reaction, I think it was just that week, um, you know, that, that week that are really just kind of figuring out the next step is. I think that's for, for guys that are in high school, uh, college, amateur, whatever, however old you are. I think that that feeling of getting released or being told you're not going to be able to play it's such it's for people that haven't gone through it it's such a hard concept to grasp and to feel or understand because you have to think on your feet about what's next you, you don't really have you don't have the time to sit around and pity yourself and and it's really just time to waste um you know you gotta if you want to keep playing you got to make a decision fast you got to figure out where you're going to go um, so it's a lot of thinking on your feet. Uh, so, you know, I let that one week kind of be my, uh, be pissed off, uh, collect my thoughts, figure out what's next. Uh, 
looking for opportunities, got the opportunity, okay, I need to take this. Uh, you know, and so that's kind of what I want to want to want people to learn from because there's going to be guys that are listening to this that maybe they're going to get released from affiliated ball. Uh, maybe they're going to be in college. They're going to get told that they're redshirting. Well, you know, now I've had both those experiences. I've been redshirted and I've been released. And having the game taken from you is the worst feeling that you can have. Uh, so you have to do everything in your power to make sure that it's not taken from you. And then if it is taken from you in a circumstance that you cannot control, because it's ultimately not your decision, how do you react to it? The way you react is what's going to determine your future and the amount of success you're able to have. Uh, if you have that self-pity, um, and that's the other thing, you can't, you can't be the guy that's pointing fingers blaming everybody else, because at the end of the day, it's on you. Regardless of what it is that happened, it's always on you. And... You know, that's that's kind of the approach you have to take towards it is no matter how angry you are, you can't have the self-pity. Um, you just got to get your mind back in check and keep moving forward. So you say it took you about a week to do that, though? <clears throat> yeah, just just as a whole. Pete, what about you? Um, <clears throat> kind of like Carson said, like, I mean – it it still never leaves your thought process like you're like i'm still a little upset about it but i've learned how to how handle to it. handle it yeah basically yeah. like like when it first happened like yeah i was very upset about it but like now like i just use it as extra fuel to the fire like just having more of a chip on my shoulder because now i understand right. like yeah. not every not everything's guaranteed at the end of the day like you can be there, and then the next day you can be gone, you know. And I've seen that from teammates, and now I've seen it from myself. So, um, you know, I, I've learned how to handle it better. I think for me, because that, that was like, it was almost like the worst timing for it to happen for me. Because, like, when I got released, like, my parents had just left to go on vacation, and so and so did my girlfriend. So, like, basically I'm going home, and, like, there's oh, nobody there. No one's there. Like I'm, yeah. I'm by myself. Like, luckily for me, like that night I got released. Like I know it was me and Carson and then Zach Zariva. Like we all went out to dinner afterwards and kind of just like talked about it. And they're, you know, they're trying to cheer me up and you know make the situation better than what it what had just happened. But I think I, for me, it took it took about a day, a day or two for me to really get over it. Just because really kind of like, snap your mind back into like what needs to be happening yeah yeah because like i said i mean i already got into contact with cloppy and he said that he was going to try and hook me up with roswell to go play there so like in the back of my mind like i knew that that was happening but at the same time i'm like okay you know i'm still frustrated that this happened but um you know i was upset for that long and i figured you know i can either be upset about it or i can do something about it you know like i i've i've been upset long enough so yeah um, well i just want i just wanted to ask you guys that because it was about the same for me i mean it was just a couple days to probably a week that i really like kind of was down and like upset about it like like you said i we the point of what i was trying to get was like people who are listening who haven't been through it yet it's okay to feel kind of like upset like that for more than like 20 minutes yeah like you can you can hear that news and let it simmer for a day or two and kind of just be like reflect on it and you know do a little self evaluation and kind of let your mind be you can be upset for a minute you can be angry mm -hmm. be pissed but you got to realize that once you snap out of that the mind and the stuff that made you pissed and like what you were so down about you need to learn how to flip that and make that that fire like all three of us had had like you said i played with a chip on my shoulder and when i got released from sussex i was so happy when quebec called because i just want i was like this is my opportunity to go prove back to those guys that i deserve to be here mm -hmm. and it was i didn't get that opportunity you know unfortunately just because just that's how the cards were laid out but it helped fuel that fire but i got my mindset back in the right place of where it needed to be at like when it was whenever I first got to Sussex, like my mind was on the game. I was training to be ready. But when I got released, I took like two to four days to kind of just like take a breath, reevaluate myself. But after that fourth day, I was back in the gym. 
back yeah. doing my thing, back on the road, back making phone calls, back with the right mindset of thinking, uh, I deserve to be here no matter what these guys think. Because you can't let the opinions of one coach or one organization dictate how you feel or dictate how your level of play should be. Because if you take their advice and say that you're not good enough to play here, you're not going to be. But if you take that and turn it like we all three did and go out and keep playing, you guys played another whole year of professional baseball. I'm still playing right now just because we took that negative thought and flipped it and just kept chasing it, man. And well, and, and so that's the thing, you know, I, I had a mentor tell me that at a young age, uh, he said that if you play the game long enough, you're going to get released. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, oh, yeah. if, if that, that that's kind of what you have to do, you know, we're we're talking about all these emotions, uh, and people got to understand, or, or young kids, or whoever, you got to understand that it's okay to be emotional. Yeah. Uh, it, there's very few people, very few, small percentage, that are gonna get drafted or gonna go to high school, be the stud, go to college, play from day one, never have any problems as far as sitting, getting redshirted, get drafted, go straight into affiliated ball, shoot through the system, be in the big leagues without any adversity. It doesn't work like that. So you have to understand that the adversity is part of it's part of the journey. And you need yeah. to learn to enjoy it. But it's part of also building your self character, building your values uh, of what you stand for. That's the foundation of what you stand for stands on. Uh and like I said, you know, my buddy told me that you played the game long enough, you're going to get released. So if you can take that mindset, yes, you could be pissed off, but take that mindset and look at it from a positive manner. And, okay, I got released. Now this gives me an opportunity to go play somewhere else. Right. Like it, it's provided me another opportunity. You have and to figure out how to turn that to a positive. Exactly. It's all about your perspective of how you look for it. Yep. And, yep. you know, I mean, like I talked about when when I did my intro podcast, we may I think we even talked about this on both of y'all's um, first podcast we did. But for me, you know, getting red shirt was one of the best things that could have happened to me in college because it gave me the first sense of failure and adversity that I had to go through. And that was the day that I had to look in the mirror and I had to decide I can either go path A which is, okay, you just lit the fire, and I, I'm going to make sure I outwork everybody. When I come back a different person, um, you know, just completely refine my skills. Or I could take uh, path B, which is kind of that self-pity, okay, I don't really care. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to hang out for these four months while they're playing, and then I'll come back next year in the fall and get ready to go. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's the mindset you have to approach it with. And that's – I know we're here talking about uh, getting released, something that's kind of a negative thing. But that's what I want guys that are listening to understand is that it's okay to get released. It's okay to have adversity to go through failure. you got to have your mindset in the right way so that you know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so – I want to jump back a little bit because uh, we were talking about the Pecos and, and that travel. Um, I want to talk to you guys because I'm sure, you know, if, if there's guys listening here, they might be like, well, screw that. I don't want to go play somewhere where I'm relying on myself for for transportation. But since we've all three been there, um, I kind of want to vouch for that as far as not so much the Pecos League itself, but just understanding that that's kind of uh, one of the things that just like if you want to play you take the opportunity to go play and get numbers yeah. that's it. it and I want I want I want to allow you guys to share that same perspective too um, so so somebody can get a different perspective other than just hearing yeah. me say that yeah I mean I think it's all part of paying your dues to basically get to where you want to be I mean we all have to make sacrifices in this game obviously I mean for us, we were gone, we were away from our families for two to three months at a time. So, I mean, there's one sacrifice, and obviously the pay isn't great, so there's another one. I mean, a lot of us are still playing for the love of it, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's just little things like that where we have to, you know, basically just paying the dues just in hopes of moving up to that next level. Yeah. 
And it's to piggyback off of that. I think if you just go put up numbers in uh, any league, somebody will notice. Because <clears throat> I mean, you're not gonna. I mean, we play because we love the game, but we play because it's competitive. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go. I wouldn't have went to the Pickers League if it wasn't competitive. Like, it truly is a competitive professional least, level. Baseball. There is. There, there is good talent in the Pecos. The, yeah, there there's really good is. talent in the Pecos, but the game, because you're the not game playing is a good the Pecos, game. It, 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 I'll use that as an example because it's it's well it's well established enough now where a lot of people understand what it is, but it still gets a bad I feel like it still has kind of like a lingering bad reputation above it, but if you think you're that good, then go out there and perform. Do it much like you said. It, play, if it's such a bad out of thing, it, go out there and produce yeah. numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still very hard to do because of all these elements we're talking about. But that's no different than if we were in a farm league system in low A. Only thing different may be is that we would get a bus to travel with. Mm -hmm. Other than that, man, I know I've played with a ton of guys, much like yourself. We've all played with a ton of ex-affiliated guys who've been in, you know, rookie ball, low A, extended, and they're like, this is kind of the same thing. Like, you share crowded hotels, and you travel together in rinky caravans, and you play at kind of crummy parks here and there, and sometimes you don't play in front of, but, like, 20 people. And, you know, sometimes you get bread with salt for meals, and that's it. Like, But, see, and, and that's... <laughs> That's the difference, though, is people think about affiliated ball, and they think because it's affiliated ball that it has all the bells and whistles that yeah. come come with yeah. it. They don't understand yeah. that it's not like that until basically basically the big leagues. But I mean, Triple A, Double A is pretty well taken care of. But yeah. you know, the lower levels when you're grinding it out to get to those higher levels, you go through the same stuff that we're going through. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, the Pecos is not the. That's why I kind of want to vouch for it because it's not the only. It's a good league, and it has such a like. Just people think of it in such a bad light. But if you go to the Pacific, you go to the Empire, you're doing the same thing, right? Um, you know, and same, really same platform. Well, really, you know, even if you're in the frontier or American, I mean, you're in the same boat. If you get traded, you're gonna have to find how to get yourself to that that next destination. Uh, I mean, you know, I I had a buddy that uh, he pretty much did a Pecos style travel in uh affiliated ball he was in high a in the carolinas and uh they sent him to triple a which they were playing in austin the next day they said hey we need you to go to double a so he drove from austin to mississippi and got there and he was there for like two days and then had to drive back to austin and was uh with the triple a team for the rest of the year uh so it kind of goes through, you know, you, there's the same things everywhere that you go through. The bells and whistles don't come to the big leagues. Yeah. No. Uh, guys yeah. got to understand that and forget thinking about all the luxuries and just take the opportunity to go play. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if you're not playing, you don't have numbers. Yeah. Affiliate ball, I feel like, you know, everyone, everyone thinks it's as glorious as it sounds. Like, you know, like you said, it's not, it's not all that it is until you make it to double a triple a or even the big leagues you know but truthfully but, those guys don't get there from just you know all those guys put in the work exactly and that's where a lot of people are like ah you know this guy throws a hundred and it's like yeah he throws a hundred but i guarantee you he's worked for the past four months to make sure for the next three months of him playing he can still throw a hundred like yeah yeah. Over look, half look the year is committed to getting to that point. Like, look at look at his gym routine. Look at his diet. Look at his stretch routine. Look at, look at, uh, look at look his at everything. Program, look at all the exactly. extras that we have to go through to be able to produce. And that's actually something I want to get into. Uh, the habits that the habits that he has to allow him to have success during the season. Uh, you know, because that's. That's if you have good habits, that's what creates a successful life. Yes. Um, you know, guys don't realize that. They don't realize that the what they see on TV is not all these guys are. Yeah. It, it's everything that goes on behind the scenes. And that's where a lot of people who don't play in professional athletics or don't really strive themselves toward not just athletics, but don't strive themselves towards a goal, don't really connect and understand that 
is like it's very hard to do especially if you're like in something by yourself which i know for us during the off season i throw into a net six times out of the week because i don't have anybody to throw with because nobody else is playing a professional no, no one else is playing mm-hmm. professional baseball where i'm at yeah. so yeah. like me trying to find somebody to hit during the week when i'm free or throw by my or, like do all that stuff sometimes you have to self-motivate yourself and do it by yourself which with anything, if you have to do something by yourself, it's usually kind of crummy unless you're really enjoying it. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to persevere through stuff like that if you don't really enjoy it, so. And that is the end of part one of this episode. Stay tuned to hear the rest of my episode with Pete and Justin as we talk about surviving the grind of a professional baseball season on next week's episode. Thank you for getting dirty with me on the Down in the Dirt podcast.